0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Cash Considerations Chicago Bulls podcast is brought to you by Bet Online online the fastest, easiest, and safest way to bet on all things sports. March Madness, the Masters, and Major League opening day. Right around the corner, BetOnline has all the latest news, scores, and odds to help you win big. The best part? You'll receive 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. So head over to BetOnline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your literal free money. Plus, signing up is a great way to support the podcast you're listening to in your ears right now. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE. All one word, when you sign up at betonline.ag, it's betonline, your online sportsbook experts. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls
2: select Kobe White. Levine with the runway, lazy in the does it again! Oh,
0: shot on oh, oh, the middle, the minister, Cowry The crossover, Lee Get up
2: or get out the way, Trey Young!
1: Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. I am Jason Pat, as always, joined by Ricky O'Donnell. Again, we are brought to you by BetOnline. Bet Online. Go over and check out BetOnline.ag. Uh, we are recording, talking after uh, a Bulls victory for once. Our long national nightmare is over. The Bulls' eight-game losing streak is done because they beat a similarly god-awful Washington Wizards team on Sunday night, 126-117. to uh, The game was not really that I was kind of close earlier and the Bulls blew it open in the second quarter we saw Kobe White we we'll are talk about him more later had another huge game 33 points off the bench uh Zach Levine had 32 points uh Thaddeus Young had 25 points at five three-pointers the Bulls hit 18 threes they were 18 of 37 overall from three they shot 56 percent. they did have like 28 or 29 turnovers which that has been an issue lately but uh yeah so the Bulls finally back in the win column they're 20 and 38 um I think there's still five games behind the Orlando Magic. Obviously, the playoffs or whatever at this point. Uh, the Bulls coming out of the All Star break, uh, they lost a horrible game to the, the the Charlotte Hornets. They got beat up pretty bad there. And then on Saturday night, they lost to the Suns. They blew a 17 point lead. Kobe White again also had 33 points in that game as well. So it was a career high 33 points in both nights. Uh, Sets made some history in the process. They saw some. They tweeted uh, the Bulls kind of tweeted out. I think Kobe is the only Bull besides Jordan to have consecutive 30-point games. I saw ESN Stats and Info said something about how he's like the only guy to come off the bench to score 30 points or maybe the only rookie uh, to score 30 points consecutive games. So big games for Kobe White. The Bulls, obviously, they're still kind of trash. But uh, I guess in general, yeah, shout-out to Kobe White. Uh, He has been kind of quiet lately with his performances, just kind of hitting that rookie wall over the last couple months. So to come out here with these couple games – to to put up 33 points consecutive games he had seven threes against the Suns five threes against the Wizards pretty efficient overall I know obviously he's still mostly just kind of a gunner at this point but the gunning had not been going well so to see him shoot really well was great I know there's been a lot of talk and I think we talked about in our last podcast about should Kobe start or come off the bench he just had a quote after this game that it doesn't really matter I mean if he's playing uh 34 he played 34 minutes tonight He's been playing pretty big minutes anyway, so I, I guess ultimately it doesn't really matter if he's going to be playing those big minutes. You could probably argue that getting him more time with Zach, getting him more time against like first units probably could help him. But for right now, uh, you had a good tweet. I think it was either during the Hornets game or after the Hornets game or before the Suns game. It was like something about Ryan Archdiacano being the starting small forward and how every season, bowl season gets worse. So they've, Jimbo has been going with Ryan Archdiacano with with Chandler Hutchinson's out. His shoulders hurt again. Uh, uh, Obviously, all these other guys are out. Chris Dunn is out. But C- Kobe White, good to see him play well. You have any takes on Kobe White just in his big performances these last couple nights? How you doing, Jason? What's going on?
2: <laughs> uh, it was nice to see Kobe have a couple good games because the reality of Kobe's rookie season is that he's been one of the worst players yeah. in the NBA throughout the year. Uh, which isn't totally unusual. That also happened to De'Aaron Fox, I believe, a couple of years ago. He had a big sophomore jump. Kobe's going to need another similarly big sophomore jump. In what we saw the last two games, putting up 33 points in both of those games, It's funny what making a few outside jumpers will do for you. He makes 7-13 from 3 against Phoenix on Saturday and against Washington today. He goes 5-9. He had 26 in the first half today. Absolutely caught fire. So uh, it's good to see Kobe get some confidence going and actually put two very nice games back-to-back on an actual back-to-back one day after another. Uh, Like I said, though, this year his numbers are very bad. According to Raptor, which is the 538 all-in-one stat, he's been the worst player on the Bulls with a minimum of 800 minutes played on the season. He's negative 3.6. Thinking of it as, like, zero is average, and Chris Dunn leads the team with, like, a plus 2.6. He's a plus 4 on defense. So, Kobe is, uh, you know, the in these all-in-one stats, like Raptor, another one is— PM. Uh, RPM, I think he's bad. RPM, he's in the 400s. In PIPM, he's the fourth worst rookie. So, and then, you know, you just look at his field goal percentage. I think his field goal percentage on the season is what, like 36% or something? Uh, And now he is up to, so it's 37.3% from the field. Now he's up to 34% from three-point range, which is encouraging, shooting 76% from the line. So, uh, I said this when the Bulls drafted Kobe, how good he would be would come down to how well he could shoot especially off the dribble. Uh, He hasn't been a consistent outside shot maker yet. I do think he has some potential on that side. First of all, he's able to get up just a ton of shots, and that's kind of the bread and butter of his game right now. I believe he's like second or third out of all rookies in field goal attempts on the season. He's first in three-point makes and first in three-point attempts. Uh, part of it's because he's mostly been durable, which has been good to see him stay on the court for most of the year. He does have a lot of room to grow. Uh, I think, you know, the first thing you look at for me is his ability to be like a live dribble passer. So I don't think he has great defense and I don't th- or I don't think he has great vision, I should say. And I don't think that he's one of those guys who like passes someone open. He can like make an open pass, but he doesn't pass someone open, if that makes sense. Uh, and like you said, he's mostly just been a gunner throughout the year. So that type of player can still be valuable. I think, but uh, you got to be a a really good three point shooter. So that's the area in this game that he's just going to need to work relentlessly on. And if that happens, I think that, you know, there's still a lot of possible good outcomes for his NBA career. There's no doubt about it. You could see him in a sixth man role. I think that you could play him off the ball next to like a more dominant on the ball player. And I'm glad that you brought up his minutes with Levine because uh, I had those pulled up. So, On the year, they've played 683 minutes together, and their net rating is negative 11.5, and it's mostly because the defensive rating is 118.9. So the defensive rating is absolutely sky high. The offensive rating, 107.2. That's pretty much in line. I don't have the Bulls actual numbers in front of me, but uh, that is exactly in line with what they are with Zach on and Kobe off, too. So yeah, good to see Kobe string together a couple games. I do think it's been a rough rookie year for him. That's just that's just the facts. Like He yeah. has not had a strong rookie year in terms of impacting winning, but uh, having a couple games like this, I think it's good for his confidence, and hopefully he can close the season strong.
1: Yeah, I th- kind of think we figured that it was going to be like this for him. Be hot and cold. I mean, he's been really hot and cold. I guess mostly cold lately, but he had. The, I mean, he had those first those few games at the beginning of the year where he went crazy, won a few games for them. Like I said, he's been kind of a been a cold stretch lately, but these last couple of games definitely nice. And yeah, I mean, like when you're a rookie point guard and like obviously just still a lot of development to 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 do in that actual point guard role. And so like you mentioned, instead of not being just a gunner, like obviously he's super young, uh, getting the consistency is going to be big. Like I said, hot and cold, it's been a thing all year. So yeah, I mean, I think I think us, I think most fans. Uh, at least most realistic fans expected this kind of performances from Kobe White just kind of up and down inconsistent he's, he's not a, he's not a guy like I mean we see like some rookies dominate we saw Trey Young come on at the end of the year after a slow start and he was great and he mean he, he's obviously one of the best offensive players in the league already and he's not on a level of a guy like him or Luca or Zion has been going crazy. Those are special guys. Kobe White, though, like you said, still a lot of room to grow. There, still, I think a lot of potential. Whether that's actually like a legit point guard of the future, I'm not totally sure, but I'm certainly not going to say no. Clearly, he can he can provide some fun scoring moments and all that kind of stuff. So definitely good to see that because obviously this bull season. Has been just mostly atrocious as they are twenty and thirty eight. And again, coming out of the All Star break, they just lay a complete dud against a bad Hornets team. And then they come out and they blow like a seventeen point lead against the Suns. So just, just two really brutal losses coming out of the break before this win against the Wizards tonight. Uh, nice. To see, I mean, Kobe White. I feel like is one of the few reasons to watch the Bulls the rest of the year in general. Like obviously they're going to get some guys back, which uh, I'm kind of surprised Wendell isn't back yet. Uh, he told us at the Rising Stars Media Day that he was hoping that uh, he was going to be back for the Hornets game, and now he's missed three games coming out of the break. Clearly, they're playing it super slow with him. Same with Otto Porter. He's kind of taking a sweet time. Who knows when those guys will be back, but yeah. Kobe, a big storyline to watch for the rest of the year, whether he starts, whether he comes off the bench, getting him those minutes, getting him that development, hopefully not building any bad habits, hopefully he can continue putting up these kind of performances in this Again, in this bad season, and I'll, I'm also want to get uh, moving on to Zach Levine. Uh, he actually made some history today. Uh, another kind of bright spot in a bad season. He is now the Bulls' leader in three pointers made in a season. I believe he passed Ben Gordon. He's got like 170 something. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but he's got a he's had a ton of three pointers. Obviously, he was in the three point contest. He hit I think six threes tonight. Another big game for him. He, and funny, just a kind of random note with him and the Bulls this season. Uh, he he's been excellent in uh second game of back to backs to call him Sega Baba him and the Bulls have been great I think the Bulls were now like seven and two uh and the Sega Babas. for some strange reason they've been great when they're when they're playing on a back to back but I mean Zach in general uh he's obviously had a pretty darn good season uh he was a borderline all star and i've I was tweeting this the other day that I've grown just more appreciative of Zach and just like how he's handled this—just another shitstorm of a season. He's—he's he's a guy who has never played in the playoffs in his career. He's seen a lot of losing, uh, and I feel like he's been a pretty good soldier. He's obviously a good player. We've talked about his flaws ad nauseum. He's miscast as the number one guy and all that thing. But I mean, he goes out there, plays hard, works hard. Uh, he gets gets buckets for you. I mean, he has his off games. His decision making isn't always the best, and all that. When his defense isn't good, we we know all that. But and we've and we've seen the frustration lately. I mean in these losses and some of it bubbled up big time uh after this sun or during at the very end of the sun's game and uh and then it's kind of afterward we had more jimbo Jimbo timeout time Jim Boylan calling another late timeout I think this time there was like 30 seconds left there. are down 10 against the sun's game over. Jimbo calls another timeout, and then great work by the NBC Sports Chicago cameras uh, catching Zach, like, basically, like, why why the fuck are we taking a timeout down 10? It's not the first time this has happened. They asked about it after the game, and he's like, that's just what coach does, like, blah, 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 and obviously Boylan uh, defended, defended it. He defended it after the game, claimed that Zach has never come to him with, like, any uh, like to complain about it or anything like that. He said it. They asked him about it again before the Wizards game, and he basically said the same thing. And he's like, you know, some of me it's just like defiance of losing. I hate losing. Blah 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 blah. Just all. This, I, I don't know any other coach who does that kind of stuff. We've seen Zach get frustrated by it a few times. Thaddeus Young gave a no comment. We've. I think I feel like we've seen other coaches, other broadcasters get annoyed by it. Just the same old goofy, embarrassing stuff from Boylan. Like, like I said, I don't know any other coaches who do it, but it's something that clearly Zach has taken some issue with like I said, Boylan claims that they've talked about it and that they have a great working relationship. I feel like that might not be the, the entire truth. Uh what do you what do you I mean, I guess we we hammer on Boylan stuff like every week there's something new and we have another one. Ricky, give me give me your Boylan takes on this last and this latest kind of just mishap after this during and after the Suns game.
2: Yeah, this dates back to last year, right? He did this Uh, Against the Suns late last year in March when the Bulls were actually up by 15 or up by 14 and he took a timeout with under a minute left to set something up. Uh, He also did that in a game last year in March against the Kings. The Bulls were down 27 and he took a timeout with under 30 seconds left. And yeah, he did it again this year. He did it. uh, You know, he took a timeout, I think, with 10 seconds left with the Bulls down seven uh, against 15 in february so uh first of all we really need to shout out Stefan no for doing a great job chronicling boylan's weird timeout usage uh <laughs> since he's taking the job Stefan's really done an amazing job documenting that so all credit to him for this but yeah i mean he's been doing it all year it's really bizarre i think that in boylan's head he's like well, we can't waste a single second. Like, even if we're mathematically eliminated, what we're going to try to do is work on an ATO so we can have a small victory. That's what Boylan's all about, small victories, yeah. Jason. Winning the first quarter, winning points in the paint, scoring on an ATO when you're down 10 with a minute left. Well, why is that? because he can't. Count any big victories. The Bulls haven't won many games since he's become head coach. So he's got to make up all this frivolous garbage to get himself excited about and to keep himself going. Uh, I think it's pathetic. I think it's unprofessional. And I think it's something that, you know, you mostly would only see out of a high school coach. People in the NBA do not do this. To my memory, there's no precedent for a coach taking a timeout when the game's already decided with under a, minute's le- under a minute left just so that they can draw something up to work on it. And Will Gottlieb had a hilarious stat today that the Bulls are last in points per possession in ATO. So not only are the Bulls... Uh, you know, taking ridiculous timeouts late in games because they want to work on their ATOs, but they're the worst team in the league. It's going off ATOs. That's per Will Gottlieb, so that's wonderful. Uh, I mostly just think it's funny and it's unprofessional. And, yeah, I mean, the boiling thing, it's just going to keep unraveling, man. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. like, you know, you I was just looking this up because coming into the second half of the season – uh, Like, you know, these first three games, home against Charlotte, home against the Suns, home against the Wizards. You had three games in four days, but there was at least a chance maybe the Bulls could have pulled off 3-0 and on that, right? You would think at least yeah. hypothetically. They have only had two three-game winning streaks since they traded Nikola Mirotic on February 1st, 2018. And both of those ended at three games. And remember before that, when Mirotic first came back from his... Uh, broken face via a uh, ridiculous Bobby Portis punch. The Bulls won seven straight games and ruined their draft stock in the 2018 draft. Maybe they could have landed Luka Doncic without that. Since they traded Miritich, they have two three-game winning streaks. No winning streak longer than that since February 1st,
1: 2018. Just crazy
2: to think about, isn't
1: it? That is absolutely crazy. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of thought maybe they'd have – because they've been decently – I know lately since they're just really hurt. Uh, they really been, hadn't been beating anybody. Obviously, they lost eight games. But I thought maybe they did have a chance. And I know, like, they play the Thunder coming up. You expect them to lose that. But then they play, like, the Knicks. I think they have a game coming up against the Timberwolves. So I was kind of thinking, oh, yeah, but they're going to they're gonna put, a, put a nice little fake rally together until they play, like, the murderous throw schedule at the end of the year. And so they come out, and again, yeah, they laid a huge dud against the Hornets. They got down, like, 20 points in the first set. They did make a comeback and made it interesting, but then they just kind of uh, folded down the stretch, and then yeah, and they blow a big lead against the Suns. So instead of going maybe three and zero or two and one against these bum teams at home, they go one and two, and uh, they got obviously they needed the big performances today. Beat the Wizards. Uh, I was yeah, kind of they could have they could
2: have won that Suns game, man. They were right oh, in that yeah. It was they. I think they had the lead with six minutes left.
1: Uh, yeah, it was because I know it was like yeah, they, it was definitely very close. And then they just again, they fell apart down the stretch. Couldn't get any stops. Didn't score enough uh DeAndre Ayton just absolutely torched them great game uh, for Ayton yeah yeah so like yeah they I mean yeah they were right I mean they were right there in both games really but down the stretch and they just did not did not win either I mean that not, not again not the playoff thing is just not going to happen at this point it would they're, take their like, five games few, out yeah five games back it would take the magic of an easy schedule uh it would take them choking big time combined with the Bulls like going on a big run against a tough schedule like they had, I mean, if they were gonna do it, they were gonna have to like basically win all these games against these shitty teams, and to come out and go one and two, uh, not not great for them, but whatever, probably for the best that they just kind of fall apart here. And again, nice, it's nice to see when they have some of these big performances. and When you get Kobe White playing, having a big game, it's great. Nice to see Zach have big games just so he can continue his nice season. But yeah, overall, not great. And I think I saw after actually for the. With well, the Wizards part, the Wizards were all getting melting down. The Wizards are awful. The Bulls, and they're just that, that playoff race in general. Like, the Wizards come out, obviously, the Magic, they're 24 and 32. The Wizards, I think, had a chance to get within like two games, I think, of the eight seed. They come out here and they lose to the Cavs, and then they basically get blown out by the Bulls tonight. Bradley, again, Bradley Beal had 53 points tonight, and they lose by nine against a terrible Bulls team who turned it over 30 times. Like, they're a joke. The Wizards are a joke. The Bulls are a joke. The Hornets are a joke. The Magic are pretty close to a joke. Like, this race for the eighth seed is just "quote unquote" race. Just a complete joke, and it's just like, give me the one through sixteen. No, abolish the conferences. We don't need either any of these teams in this damn playoff race because they're all because they're all crap. Yeah, it's um, too bad
2: that'll never happen though because the Eastern Conference owners will never agree to it. Right? right? Yeah, like, it's it's, definitely it's, not. It's all comes back to the money. They don't really care about putting on the most competitive profit or the most competitive uh, show if it's going to cost a profit.
1: Yeah, product absolutely. is the word uh, I, I mean, was after, looking for. After it. the game today, uh, I I saw on Twitter come across after this uh, after what of the NBC Sports post game show? I th- think there was some serious fire guard packs action. I think there was a chant, there was a sign. I think that eighty six Garpacks pack was there. Was, I saw that guy w- was there. Uh, so I guess we can use that to uh, kind of transition here. There, obviously, we've talked about some of the rumors uh, surrounding the front office, and I mean, at this point, you, you, they have to make a move. It, it, all signs are pointing to them at least bringing in somebody from the outside. We have talked about how as long as Paxson is still there and if Gar is still there, I, mean, I guess if, I, mean, I wonder if Gar would accept the demotion. I have no idea. I feel like, I can't remember if it was Casey or somebody else kind of hinted that, or it might have been Cowley, like hinted that, well, he's going to be offered a different spot, but that, like I wasn't sure if he'd take it. I don't know. Either way, we actually had a name prop come up c- courtesy of, uh Casey Johnson reported that Pacers general manager Chad Buchanan is a candidate of interest for the Bulls this is from last week uh again he's a general manager so I guess he'd be kind of taking a uh a, it'd be kind of a lateral move because the Pacers have Kevin Pritchard at president there he's the main guy there but Buchanan is 46 years old he's been he was hired uh, in 2017 by the Pacers he has been with the Charlotte Hornets where he spent time as uh, an assistant general manager under rich cho he spent a lot of time with the blazers uh helped i think scout damian lillard uh part of when they brought in brandon roy and lamarcus aldridge and the gerald wallace trade that ended up getting damian lillard's uh it says Casey wrote that he's widely known for his embrace of analytics our guy sean hyken he ha- was a blazers guy who's out there he said that buchanan is widely regarded I-, I had never heard of the guy until now like i don't some of these lesser known gms and all that kind of stuff i don't I don't know all about them but just I mean just reading up on him I mean he seems like a reasonable candidate pretty good resume I mean not great but obviously you're never going to never going to be perfect as a GM I mean the Pacers have built a pretty good team the last couple of years uh I know I know one thing that people are talking about is well he's probably used to like dealing with uh dealing with a budget being from from Charlotte and the Pacers don't ex- are a smaller market team as well and I mean the Blazers have a big big uh, payroll now but they're not exactly a big market team either. Uh, so I mean, Chad Buchanan, fine, great. Again, it doesn't really mean much. I think if John Paxson is still there and and everything that the reporting seems to indicate that Paxson will still be there, still be have the, the be the head decision maker. But uh, Ricky, anything Chad Buchanan? I mean, it's still well, yeah, not man. Like, like <laughs> I wrote
2: about it this week. I burned the Bulls twice in the last, like, six days, I guess, last week, because I wrote about how embarrassing they were during the All-Star break. And then I wrote that, you know, on behalf of the Fire Gar Pax movement, this rumored front office plan where Paxson keeps his job, Gar goes into scouting, they hire a new GM, Doug Collins is still around, Jim Paxson's still around. John Paxson's still around, still going to have a prominent voice. Joe Colley reported that it's still going to be a Reinsdorf-Paxson show. So on behalf of the FireGar Pax movement, Jason, we say this is not good enough. We do not accept this, and we need to keep going in because we can't let him off the hook. Someone has to try to show what it looks like to be accountable. And that's why I wrote something during the week basically pleading to Michael Reinsdorf you know be your own man dude like you don't need to uh follow exactly in your father's footsteps i dug up a bunch of old quotes from jerry from when michael first got the job he got the job in 2010 i read an interview he did with melissa isaacson from 2012 that had all these quotes from jerry Reinsdorf being like i want michael to be his own man i want him to run the franchise the way he sees fit uh, and I do think that, like, Jerry would allow him to fire Paxson if he wanted to. The problem is that Michael Reinsworth just isn't going to fire his friends. John Paxson's his friend. Gar Foreman, uh, you know, it's, there's been some reporting on the fact that uh, his wife and Gar's wife, I think, are pretty tight. They seem like they're just friendly. I think they run Bulls Charities together. Run Bulls Charities together, together? Yeah. yeah. Uh, And they just seem generally friendly. So, dude, Michael Reinsworth, step up to the plate, man. Like... Here's the thing. Your dad had the six championships, the Jordan dynasty. He had, uh, you know, the White Sox World Series. You haven't done anything, Michael Reinsdorf, besides for be the son of a billionaire. So if you actually want to immediately get people on your side, what better PR move could there possibly be than just firing these two morons? Uh, And at the end of the day, dude, it's been 17 years. So like, yeah, Paxton has had some success. Over this time, perhaps it's unfair for me to call him a moron. I'm sorry that came out of my mouth, John Paxson, if you're listening. (laughs) But, dude, he's had 17 full seasons. No one has that type of job security. And his record is pretty spotty. They have won one Eastern Conference Finals game, made one trip. Uh, So, I just think that as long as Paxson and Foreman, as long as Paxson in particular, it's so much more Paxson than Foreman. Because I think that Gar, at this point, is probably just happy to have a job. I don't think that he's someone who, like, another team would hire if he were to like be a free agent, per se.
1: I mean, maybe, maybe they'd hire him as a scout, but I feel yeah. like, I mean, why would you hire him as a GM at this point? I feel like there's just a lot of bad that's, like, gone around about right. him. Right. So,
2: so my yeah. thing is, like, As long as Paxson's around, I just don't think it's a very appealing job opening. And then – so if you're someone like Chad Buchanan, like why would you leave a much better setup in Indiana to take the same job title in Chicago? The only way he would do it is if they paid him a lot more money. And the Reinsdorf's MO is that they're not going to pay a bunch of money for someone like that. So I would – Doubt very much that Chad Buchanan actually takes the Bulls job, unless there's something I don't know, like that he's unhappy working with Kevin Pritchard in Indiana or something else. But I think it's going to be hard for the Bulls to attract a top candidate with Paxson still around, still having Doug Collins around. Uh and It's not good enough, Jason.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, we've talked about that ad nauseum. Yeah, and I, I do wonder, like, I mean, I guess like why he would leave that again. The Pacers have been competitive they're obviously kind of falling apart now they lost by 46 to the raptors tonight, or something like that and they've been really stumbling since oladipo came back but i mean whatever they've been a really good team for several years now just consistently competitive in a smaller market i mean i guess maybe just the idea since the bulls uh are a big market theoretically like the global global brand we like to hammer on that i mean maybe if they did give them a the bulls gave them a slight raise i mean maybe that that would and maybe a I don't. Maybe they'd make him. Like, I guess technically, like Paxson is like the executive VP. Maybe they'd make like Paxson the full bone pr- president. They'd make like pre- uh, this guy like executive VP of basketball op- operations. I don't know. Like a slightly better job title than just general manager. I don't. Yeah, it, it does seem weird unless he just wants a new challenge in a big market like this. Even though the Bulls don't always operate like or rarely operate like a big market team. Yeah, that's know. the other thing. It's like you know the Bulls just want to be the Pacers.
2: The Bulls don't aspire to be on the same level even as, like, the Lakers, the Celtics, the Warriors. They would be very happy with being the Pacers, which is just be a team that's, like, consistently making the first or second round of the playoffs, is good enough to fill the stadium every night. Bulls, there was a really easy way to do that. It was called keeping Jimmy Butler. If you had a Jimmy Butler-Spencer Dinwiddie backcourt right now, which was very feasible, I think that, you know, they would be able to accomplish – what it seems like they want to do. like Even when they traded Jimmy, I didn't think they really had They didn't do it because they had championship or bust aspirations. I think they just wanted to build something that they saw as a more cohesive, sustainable, younger, and most importantly, cheaper roster. Uh, So, you know, the Bulls, it would be great if they could be as good as the Indiana Pacers. And the fact that they're not is totally pathetic. And I just wish they would aim a little higher. I'm not using that as an indictment on Chad Buchanan because he might be a good hire. I don't want to, you know, give a full opinion on that quite yet. Uh, but in general, I just think it's going to be tough to attract top talent to that job.
1: Yeah, you mentioned Jimmy, the Jimmy Butler trade too. I had a few had had some wine and was watching basketball and on Twitter on Friday. I think that was Friday night. Uh, doing some drunk tweeting, basically. And I've, I was hmm. going back over the Jimmy Butler trade it was this was Dwayne Wade weekend. Like he got his jersey retired in Miami and all that. And I was just, like, looking, watching some of the stuff with him and the celebration of Wade, and it just reminded me of how, how the Bulls how the Bulls gave Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo, like, 75 million, uh, and they each played one season with the team, and how they basically just, like, basically gave... I, I, I don't even know if gave up is the right word, but, like, didn't even, like, try to actually build, like, a sustainable winner under Jimmy Butler, which was always my issue, biggest issue with that trade. I feel like once they did the Wade-Rondo thing and it they flamed out, like I was, whatever, trading Butler was, like, Whatever I, I kind the writing seemed on the wall given the rumors the year before as well. It, just, it it was just annoying that they just clearly they never like they clearly just lost faith in him. They didn't want to pay him a potential supermax is one of the excuses they always like to put out. Uh, just the fact that they could have had several summers to try to build a competitive team without him. Say what you want about Jimmy, it could be a pain in the ass at times. W- whether he can be the top guy in a title team, probably not given the, some of the other stars in the league, but. I mean, the Bulls probably used, they could have used a couple summers, build a solid team, playoff team for several years. Maybe you're a top half of the Eastern Conference playoff picture team for a few years. If it doesn't work out, then it doesn't work out. But you'd still be. I mean, given what we've seen happen since, they've been a complete joke and a laughing stock. And that just that's just the thing that was most annoying about the Bulls. Yeah. They just never. They had a guy who they grew, who developed him. I mean, I don't I don't know how much credit you want to give them for developing, but he developed under Tibbs. And then they had a chance to build around him. They they probably traded Rose a year too late, but either then. They traded Rose, and I think everyone thought that all right, they're gonna try to build like a younger they talked about younger and more athletic team around Jimmy Butler, and then they go out and sign Wade and Rondo and then they trade Jimmy the next summer. My thing was just uh, like
2: they didn't get enough back for him, and because of that, you had him under contract for two years in the middle of his prime. Like right. you could have just held on to him, signed him and then traded him. It's like two years from now. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, who knows if Jimmy actually would have signed the super max deal. But right. yeah. to me, they pushed the reset button way too early for a deal that wasn't good enough. Like, I think that's the biggest difference to me between the White Sox rebuild and the Bulls rebuild, uh, because people have been pointing out, you know, the White Sox did keep Kenny Williams on when they hired Rick Hahn. But the White Sox also started the rebuild from a position of power because they, <laughs> They made a very good trade when they were dealing one of the best players in the league with Chris Sale. They got a really good return. The Bulls did not get a very good return when they traded Levine. It felt like the Bulls were like, Yeah, well, that was the best offer we could get. What they should have done is tried to just keep him, build around him, sign him long term. Obviously, there was no guarantee. Maybe so it ended up in Miami, who knows? Uh, but then you still could have traded him. You know, after he's locked up under contract, someone still would have taken him. And the return you got back. You know, you moved up, what, nine spots in the draft, and you got back Dunn and Levine. Like, I know Dunn was a top-five pick, but, uh, you know, Levine was coming off the ACL. Dunn was really bad in his rookie year. I don't think that he really carried as much, quote-unquote, value at the time as, you know, a top-five pick one year into his career would suggest, so... Uh, yeah, I mean that's why the Bulls are struggling right now. There's no doubt about it. People don't want to listen to us relitigate the Butler trade, but I know. Uh, yeah, I mean t- you know that's why the Bulls are here right now, and uh, it's bad, Jason. It's very yeah, bad. I mean,
1: just, yeah, it's just unfortunate the way it has gone since then. They just never made like a good faith effort to build around him. Huge bummer. Uh, just watching the Wade stuff this this weekend. Like I, t- I tried not to relitigate really it. I've like mo- mostly moved past it, but get a few glasses of wine in me and watching Dwayne Wade stuff in Miami. Just it. Push that button for me. So I was going off a little bit. Um, any 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 other leftover thoughts? I think we basically covered everything. I guess looking ahead here again, the Bulls play the Oklahoma City Thunder. The very surprising Oklahoma City Thunder have had a terrific season. Everyone, a lot of people thought that they'd basically be in for a, like a maybe not a rebuild year, but a relaunch. Everyone talked about Chris Paul being being washed, and instead he's in the All Star game. He's having a terrific season, and the Thunder are thirty five and twenty two now. Uh, Making their way up the Western Conference standings. Remember the first time the Bulls and Thunder played, the Bulls blew, I think, like a 26-point lead. There was some controversy at the end of that game, but the Thunder have been on a roll, so that'll obviously be a really tough game. I guess we'll see if, again, if Wendell or Otto, if they come back, maybe one of them comes back for that game. Uh, We'll see about that. Again, Larry Markkinen seems a little further away, and Chris Dunn is probably done for the season, or at least close to done for the season with his knee injury. Uh, I don't even know. I don't even th- know if we talked about that, but yeah, Chris Dunn's out for four to six weeks at least. That basically puts him right towards the end of the season. I'd be surprised if he came back. That injury looked bad when it happened, uh, and the Bulls' defense is basically cratered since he's been out, showing just kind of the impact that he has made. So that's kind of a bummer for him going into his restricted free agency. That's something we'll talk about in a future podcast. We'll wrap up here uh, after they play the Thunder. On Tuesday, then they have like three days off, and then they go to the Garden to face the Knicks. The Knicks have been a little better under interim coach Mike Miller. They're obviously still bad. They're still the Knicks. I mean, that's another that's a winnable game for the Bulls. Uh, but yeah, just two games this week uh, since they have that big break in between uh, the Thunder and Knicks games. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. I, I guess I would expect them to go one and one. Probably lose to the Thunder, maybe beat the Knicks. The Bulls did lose at the Garden earlier this year. Like I said, the Knicks have been playing a bit better. Um, but yeah, that'll be it for for this upcoming week. Uh, we're almost getting into March here, which obviously means March Madness. We'll start talking draft, especially with the Bulls being where they are in the standings. We'll start talking draft a bit more in March. Uh, rookie, any final thoughts here before we totally wrap up? Prediction
2: for the week. Tickets for the Bulls-Thunder game, which is a home game on Tuesday. I'm saying that's going to reach single-digit ticket prices on the second-hand market. I'm looking at the StubHub prices right now. You can get into the door for $14. bucks. i am saying that that's going to be like a game you could go to for 7 eight, nine bucks. 8 uh, And I still expect there to be a lot of empty seats during that game because people are starting to tune out uh, – even with a couple good Kobe games, it just doesn't seem like there's a lot of hope. And they're not really, there's not much at stake at this point anymore. So I think right, that yeah, we're going to see some whole- pretty bad attendance numbers the rest of the year, just a guess. Already, if you want to go to this Thunder game, you can get really cheap tickets on StubHub right now. I'm sure they're just going to get lower, would be my guess.
1: Uh, yeah, probably. And we, I mean, we've seen some pictures from these games recently, like that Hornets game was per- very sparse. The weekend games, I feel, are still uh, getting decent. Some decent attendance, but yeah. These weeknight games at home, especially against just like lesser opponents. I mean, maybe the Thunder bring out some fans. I don't know. Probably not. But like a lot of these weeknight home games, if it's not like a high-profile opponent, it is not drawing at all. A lot of empty seats. Uh, last, I guess, thought here. I totally forgot to mention this when we were talking about Gar Packs is uh they were in? They, I believe they were uh, in Iowa State over the weekend to do do a little scouting. That Ames, Ames Mafia, whole, all that thing. Uh, that made for some good for some good jokes and fodder on the internet. So that was kind of fun because th- look for anything to make jokes about at this point in the season. But uh, I got nothing else. Ricky, you, you good? We done here? I'm good. Thanks All for right. listening. Let- yep. As, thanks for listening. As always, cash considerations, a Chicago Bulls pod brought to you by betonline.ag. Thanks again for listening. Please rate and review us for every listener. Pods. Uh, we're going to have a podcast, Citrus, Spotify, Google Play. As always, shout out to the Blue Wire Network. Go check out all the other great pods across the Blue Wire Network and follow Blue Wire on Twitter at Blue Wire Pods. Uh, so, this has been Cash Considerations, Chicago Bulls Podcast for Jason and Ricky. We will talk to you guys next week.